Welcome back to 444.com, to the most accurate podcast. I'm Anthony Stalter, as always, joined by my guy, John Paulson. How are we doing this week, JP? Uh, we're doing doing pretty well. Uh, we Entering week five, so we're past the quarter point almost of the, of the season. So uh, chugging right along now, getting into a groove. I always feel like when October flips, you start to get to learn the teams a lot more. Obviously, injuries start to become more paramount. And, of course, we'll talk about the, the Russell Wilson injury from last night. Uh, but yeah, I feel like when it, when it when the calendar flips to October, it winds up being kind of a, a fun a fun time to do your research. But before we get into the podcast, let's talk about the music that brought us in. Yeah, this is actually a band we've featured before on the podcast, uh, the Blue Stones. They definitely have that uh, Black Keys vibe that we like to go for with the music on this on the pod. Um, the track is called "Let It Ride." It's from their 2021 album "Hidden Gems." Another uh, another Canadian band with a you know good hard rock sound. They're from Windsor, which uh, before the podcast you uh, told me that that's a, basically a suburb of Detroit, right across the uh, whatever the river, the <laughs> the lake there. Yeah, the lake. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so another another uh, Canadian band, but this one's uh, got some Detroit uh, feel to it as well. So uh, put it on the most accurate podcast playlist. You can find a link for that in the show notes. Excellent. We love the Black Keys here in the uh, the most accurate podcast, and we love bands that kind of resemble them. So looking forward to that. We've been telling you for a while now about how you could get a four for four subscription for free just for depositing ten dollars at Underdog or twenty to thirty five dollars at Prize Picks. To top it off, if you're a new FFPC user, you also get a thirty five dollar coupon to play in one of their leagues and for details on that you can go to 444.com backslash plans don't forget that there's a london game this week that kicks off at 9 30 a.m eastern so make sure you check the lineups if you have any falcons or jets players i can't imagine that there's well actually you know what we're gonna have to dive into some of the wide receiver issues for atlanta you know no no uh, calvin ridley no russell gage they're, they're gonna be hurting so we'll we'll talk a little bit about that uh, Teddy Bridgewater, though, actually, you know what? Why don't we start there, John? Why don't we talk talk about Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage? I, I I got a question yesterday from somebody knowing that I'm a Falcons fan. They asked me about Cordero Patterson, whether or not he's startable, and I just said, yeah, especially for this week. Uh, what are your thoughts on the London game? Yeah, I think you know Patterson has been startable for a couple of weeks. I had him ranked uh, pretty high uh, last week, and uh, he's just Paid been off. scoring a lot of touchdowns. Yeah, I mean you're. With him though, you're you're probably gonna. It's just unsustainable the touchdowns that he's scoring, and eventually they're going to, you know, go to some of these other players. But I wouldn't necessarily expect that this week with Ridley being out. Uh, you, you would expect Pitts to get in the end zone here soon. You know, Mike Davis, given all his touches, should probably get a touchdown. But uh, you know, I was looking at Patterson's touchdowns per touch or number. You know, number of touches per touchdown. And he continues to see this workload because he's seeing you know a bigger workload than he's really ever seen in his career. Uh, but if he continues to see it and he scores at the same rate that he did prior to joining Atlanta, um, he he should score another six point nine touchdowns the rest of the season, which isn't bad. I mean that's not bad at all. It's not going to be the you know one to three that he's been <laughs> um, scoring so far this season. But I think certainly this week against uh, the Jets, given their issues, um, you know they're down to. Zacchaeus and Tajay Sharp and 
Christian Blake at receiver, so it's pretty ugly. We'll see who else it can activate, and I just don't know. I mean, Zacchaeus is, and Sharp has had some moments in the NFL. I remember he was uh, going to have a big year, was the, was the thinking due to a big preseason uh, in as a rookie, I believe, in Tennessee, and then he just kind of flamed out there. But this is a good opportunity for him, and you would expect Pitts this to be the Pitts week. If there's a touchdown or two to be had for the Falcons, that he might get one of them and, and maybe see 10-plus targets. Uh, and then Hayden Hurst as a backup you know, might see some extra routes because uh, you know, if, they, if they view him as a better receiver as you know Christian Blake or Sharp, he, he might be on the, the field quite a bit this weekend as, as well, given all the issues at, at receiver. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought up Pitts. As a, as a Falcon fan, and I'll tie this into fantasy in a second, but as a Falcon fan, I sit there and all the reports after the Falcons took Kyle Pitts was, oh, well, he's going to line up all over uh, Arthur Smith's offense, and this is this is the reason why you take him. And and all, so far, Kyle Pitts has been incredibly quiet. Not, not uncommon for a tight end, but if there's ever a week that Kyle Pitts, to your point, John, was – was going to line up all over the place, was going to see all these targets, was going to be a big impact of the game, well, it would be this Sunday in in London. If not, why the hell did you take the tight end? And this is nothing against Kyle Pitts, but why the hell did you take the tight end over a, fran- a potential franchise quarterback? So I hope both as a Falcon fan, a uh, realistic Falcon fan, because I could see them losing this week to the Jets, don't get me wrong, but as a uh, Falcon fan, I'd love to see Kyle Pitts kind of kind of get going this week. And as a Kyle Pitts uh, uh, fantasy manager, that would that would be nice too. Let's talk about Teddy yeah, Bre- Go ahead. Well, I just wanted to mention too that his usage has been there for the most part. I mean, eight targets in his first game, six targets in second second game. Uh, he only had three targets against the Giants, but uh, nine against Washington last week. So, you know, three of his four games, he's seen at least six, six, six targets, and he's averaging 6.5 targets. So, um, the usage is there, and, and the air yards are—they're starting to push the ball down the field a little bit more. Last week with with Ridley, his uh, air yards were a lot better in Week Four than they were the first three weeks. So you know maybe they get get it going to Pitts this week and get him you know down the seam using that athleticism and that speed. Uh, the Jets aren't a particularly good uh, matchup for the passing game. They've been a lot worse against the run, um, but uh, I don't know if that's just because you know teams are ahead and are running a little bit more but this definitely is feels like it might be the week for pits but we've been saying that for a couple weeks now right all right let's talk about Teddy Bridgewater he's got he's he had the concussion he was officially limited on Thursday if he's able to play what does this mean for Denver's receivers I can't imagine the Broncos doing a lot of damage you know Pittsburgh's got problems but they're all, it's on the offensive side not on the defensive side but what does this mean for Denver's receivers if it's Bridgewater and not Drew Locke well, Drew Locke has got a career 6.6 yards per attempt. Uh, you know, Bridgewater has come in and played very well for the Broncos. Uh, it's the reason he won that job. He's more accurate, um, and that helps. I mean, I think the, the receivers could still produce with Locke, but, um, you know, Bridgewater's averaging eight yards per attempt right now compared to, to Locke, who was under six in his short stint last week and under seven for his career. Um, so more accurate and more yards available. And he's actually throwing some touchdowns this year. I think Teddy never surpassed 15 touchdowns in his career. And he's already got five in four games. So uh, he's on a pretty good, you know, one of those games was injury shortened. So he's on a pretty good track to maybe hit 20 or 20 plus, And uh, that's good for Cortland Sutton and um, Tim Patrick, et cetera. So, I, you know, 
if you're a Sutton uh, manager, you definitely want to see Bridgewater under center if, if possible. Jimmy Garoppolo did not practice again on Thursday, though it looks like he will try to practice today. Today being Friday, this is when we're recording. If he can't play, you got Trey Lance, the rookie. He, he saw some action last week. Looked better as a runner than a thrower. Seattle wasn't really prepared to play him. Seattle, not great defensively. Uh, I think the 49ers are limited. I know that everybody's excited to see Trey Lance, but I think they're more limited uh, with Trey Lance under center than Jimmy Garoppolo. But if he does get the start, how do you think it's going to go? <laughs> it's going to be an interesting game playing at Arizona. They're ninth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. The defense has been surprisingly good. Uh, they do you know, give up some yards and points and stuff, so there are fantasy points available. Um, I, I'm... I have him at 14 right now, uh, Lance, and you know he had 20 points in one half last week. A lot of that came on a busted coverage uh, touchdown. I don't know, it was a 70-yard touchdown or something to Debo Samuel. Uh, so you know that's 13. I don't know. I guess it's nine, ten points right there for the quarterback. So um, maybe half the points came from that one play. But the fact that he was able to find it and find him and complete it, and that's that's something. And he's he's probably coming out of with this class was the one guy where you could see, you know, a big, big um, rushing role. I mean, all these guys run a little bit. I mean, Trevor Lawrence runs a little bit. Zach Wilson runs a little bit. Justin Fields runs a little more than those guys. And that was projections in my um, rookie quarterback model. But, you know, my model shows Lance at 35 yards per game, 34, 35 yards per game rushing is the expectation. And, the one thing my model does really well is project uh, rushing yards. Like it's the most accurate of all the metrics that I am able to project from college stats. So uh, I would expect Lance to run quite a bit and uh, maybe get, you know, 30 to 40 rushing yards. And in a game where they might trail that he may have more dropbacks and more scrambles that uh, could even be a little bit higher than that. Uh, so that, that definitely raises his fantasy floor. I'm a little worried, you know, in general about the 49ers offense with him coming in, uh, for his first start, if that that's what happens, I just don't think the the passing volume is going to be there to support everybody. But Ayuk is already struggling, you know. Debo's tearing it up, and then you know uh, George Kittle has been kind of middling, and you know hasn't had the the type of numbers that we were hoping from him. John, that, that was interesting. You just said that. So w- your your model projects quarterback rushing yards better than than most things. I mean, I know your your model. Yeah, like yeah. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a basically I have a model that uses uh, you know final season uh, college numbers and gives me a starting point for what they're going to produce as rookies. So I've looked at the last twenty or thirty years of rookie starters and their college numbers to get you know a a uh, starting point basically. And the, the one that's the most accurate metric in terms of my highest R squared is is rushing yards per game. It does a really good job based on college numbers of predicting how much. Uh, a player is going to run in the NFL in the rookie season. That's good. Yeah. Uh, Dalvin Cook, he Dalvin Cook owners, another sweat week this week. He did not practice Wednesday. He did not practice Thursday. Obviously, a lot of this hinges on whether or not he's going to practice today, John. But what are your what are your thoughts on Dalvin Cook, the ankle injury, and whether or not he will suit up this weekend? Yeah, I think you're looking at a Friday limited. You probably have him out there. Uh, this is a kind of a weird deal. The Vikings. Um, probably could win this game without him but you know they're one and three and if they have and, and the lions have shown some kind of friskiness you know they, they've, they've been in some games they've almost beaten some good teams um 
you know, you, you go without Dalvin Cook and you could easily see the Lions pulling out an upset and now they're one and four uh, and they're in trouble. So if he can, if he's close, I think they're going to play him. They don't seem like they're too concerned about long-term effects of this, but he did, you know, retweak that ankle and miss some snaps in the middle of that game. So we don't know really what this, he did come back, um, but we don't know what the total status of that ankle is. It was obviously feeling a little bit better heading into last week, but you know, maybe it's worse uh, heading into week five. This was going to, this is what the Christian McCaffrey, this, this situation is going to wind up being one of the bigger decisions for fantasy managers this week, John McCaffrey was limited on Wednesday. He was limited on Thursday, but he did, he did practice and he could play on Sunday. He's not that far removed from a from a pretty significant hamstring injury. So this is kind of a two-part question here. One, if he is active on Sunday, do you play him? And two, what do you think he's what sort of role do you think he's going to have given the fact that he that he that he's only a couple of weeks out again from that hamstring injury? Yeah, you wonder what the level of that hamstring strain was if he's already back at practice and feeling pretty good, maybe it was just a tweak and they uh, shut him down and, you know, he's had the ex- it was a Thursday night game, I believe. And that's why he, he was complaining about the Thursday night games and maybe not having enough rest heading into that Thursday night game. That's what caused the tweak. And uh, the fact that he's back at practice and he's going to, if he does play, I think you have to start him. I mean, they have brought him back from injury before and given him 20 plus touches right out of the gate so he's the number one fantasy running back when healthy I, I think you have to start him uh the good news is 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 the Panthers play at 10 a.m uh Pacific 1 p.m uh, Eastern uh fantasy managers should know unless they're dealing with a decision with the London game uh you know whether or not they can start McCaffrey over <laughs> Michael Carter I guess or Mike Davis Cordell Press Patterson um but the fact that it's an early game makes it a lot easier, I think, on, uh, on managers being able to make that decision with all the information that, that they have at their disposal. I think Chuba Hubbard is a decent start. We obviously saw him not get that type of workload, McCaffrey-type workload last week. They did more of a committee, but I think he's still a solid RB2, uh, getting most of the carries there for the Panthers. Chase Edmonds dealing with the shoulder injury. He did not practice on Wednesday, did not practice on Thursday, but he is working on the side Thursday. Where is he right now in your rankings? Yeah, I think he's a solid RB2. He's been, you know, RB12 in uh, PPR formats so far, and he hasn't scored a touchdown yet, uh, given all the touches. So the fact that he hasn't scored a touchdown is still delivering RB1 numbers in PPR formats is pretty impressive. The worry here is that this is a game-time decision, and and, uh, they play late on uh, Sunday afternoon, and uh, fantasy managers may not know what uh, his status is going to be. So this is one of those where you're really hoping for a Schefter bomb or a Rappaport bomb saying that they expect him to play, or maybe he gets in a limited or full practice today and, you know, things you're feeling better uh, about it over the weekend. I think the good news is for him is that with that shoulder injury, he was working off to the side, even though it was a, did not practice, he was getting some work in. It wasn't like he was stuck in the uh, training room getting treatment. So they were, he was out on the field and that's generally a good sign for, you know, a Friday limited at least. And then, perhaps playing on Sunday. Elijah Mitchell limited on Wednesday and Thursday, but he's taking on contact this week. Do you feel like he's progressing to playing on Sunday? Yeah, the fact that he's upgraded and he's taken off the no contact jersey uh, indicates that he's getting a lot closer. We'll see what his designation is. Uh, you know, I'm hoping for a full practice today, uh, at least a limited. And then, you know, if he's questionable, 
that's going to be the same issue. It's the same late game as the Cardinals, obviously. So uh, fantasy managers have to pay attention to, to that. And there's also the we don't really know about the workload split now with Trey Sermon because uh, you know Mitchell before he got hurt was the lead back, the clear lead back in this backfield. Uh, but Sermon has had a couple games now uh, to get his feet wet. The first game against the Packers didn't go that great, but he had a touchdown. And then last week, you know, he rushed for 80 plus yards and, and looked better. So uh, you wonder what role Mitchell will come back to at this point. Uh, typically, Kyle Shanahan has picked the speed guy, and that's what Raheem Mostert has been. And when Mostert was healthy, he was seeing double digit. Uh, carries in pretty much every game, so it's very interesting to see if they if they if Kyle Shanahan views him as that type of player, or do they, you know are they going to hand the keys to Sermon? So that's that's the big question this week. Joe Mixon did not practice Wednesday, did not practice Thursday. Head coach Zach Taylor is calling him day to day. ESPN NFL insider Adam Schefter reported that he had a low grade sprain. Mixon had a low grade sprain, and Mixon is starting to look doubtful. If he sits, how does this backfield shake up for the Bengals as they take on your Packers? Yeah, I just saw a news flash. I think that uh, he was going to try to practice tomorrow, but I don't know why they would be uh, practicing on Saturday. So that is confusing. I have to dig into that a little bit. Uh, Typically, teams don't practice on Saturday ahead of a Sunday game, but maybe they're doing a walkthrough or something, and they're going to see if he can go. Uh, You know, leaving the candle on for him. I still have him in the rankings, but it feels pretty dangerous. It feels like a doubtful uh, right now, closer than than uh, you know, probable. So, uh, Samaje P. Ryan, uh, Chris Evans would probably split. That's what they have said. If Mixon has to sit, it's not going to be all P. Ryan. Uh, they like Evans as a receiver, so you know you probably see Evans out there uh, scoring more PPR points and perhaps uh, P. Ryan getting most of the carries. Let's talk about uh, former Bengal now. Giovanni Bernard got the knee injury, might be back. Would what would his return mean for Leonard Fournette in the box? Yeah, right now I have Fournette at number 14 running back. Uh, given his matchup with the Dolphins, the 31st adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. Uh, but if Bernard is back, then you would think that Fournette's role as a receiver would decrease. And so he would probably slide down the rankings about six spots uh, since he probably won't be running as many routes if Bernard is out there. And then as we shift gears, talk about wide receivers. Let's start, let's start with A.J. Brown. He's got the hamstring injury, limited on Wednesday, full work on Thursday. Look like he's back. Are fantasy managers safe to get Brown right back in their lineup? Yeah, he was since the full practice on Thursday. I put him back in the rankings uh, this morning. Uh, and if you give him his distributions for from last year with you know no Julio Jones there, if you just apply those percentages – He's in the top 10. He's at six or seven or eight. Uh, I have him at 15 right now due to the you know hamstring concerns and the, the, kind of the slow start. But he was also in our uh, breakout receiver model. Uh, so the air yards and the you know route runs routes run are obviously there. Uh, with no Julio there and a pretty good matchup, matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars, I feel pretty good about starting him as a high-end uh, wide receiver too. Chase Claypool of the Steelers dealing with a hamstring injury limited on Wednesday and Thursday. This Steelers offense is a mess, John. Yeah, he's probably back though. Uh, you know, I don't think he practiced much last week, if at all. He was ruled out and uh, getting in limited work, and it sounded like he was pretty optimistic on his Twitter feed about being able to play. Another player that has uh, you know popped in our model uh, last couple of weeks due to all the uh, the air yards that he's seeing. Uh, so 
he's basically underperformed what he's expected. And uh, some of that has to do with, you know, Big Ben and how he's playing. Um, but the fact that he's back probably would put him in the, you know, wide receiver three ranks uh, this week. Uh, with Calvin Ridley, personal, he's dealing with a personal injury, and Russell Gage, ankle, ruled out for the London game. We did talk a little bit about Atlanta's wide receiver cores and what that what that could look like. Do, do you have confidence in any any of these wide receivers being uh, a sleepy a sleepy a sleeper start this week? You know what, what's kind of your 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 breakdown of Atlanta's position group as a whole? I know again I know we spent some time earlier on this, but let's let's kind of reinforce some things here. Yeah, I don't have a ton of confidence, but I have Zacchaeus the highest. Uh, the matchup against the Jets hasn't been good. They're fifth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. So I think they're going to move the ball with Patterson, with Davis, and with Pitts, and maybe Hayden Hurst. And then the, the receivers will be getting a few scraps here and there. I can't see a big game for any of these guys. But uh, if there is going to be a big game, maybe Zacchaeus uh, in terms of maybe like a PPR 5 for 70, 5 for 60 type game. Um, but I don't have a whole lot of confidence uh, in this uh, you know, passing attack with these receivers. All right, let's talk about Devontae Parker now. Might be a game-time call with a sore hamstring. What's your advice to fantasy managers if they are rostering Devontae Parker? Yeah, I like uh, Parker this week, uh, given the matchup uh, against the, the, the Buccaneers, who are really banged up at the cornerback uh, position. He's been productive with Jacoby Brissett. Uh, the team is going to really struggle running the ball against the, the Bucks defense. Uh, the, the Patriots didn't even really try. I <laughs> think eight carries for negative one yard, uh, which was pretty wild uh, last, I think it was last week. So, yeah, in the showdown game, a return game for Tom Brady uh, in New England. And I don't think that Miami, Miami probably will try to run the ball more than that, but they're not going to be able to move the ball much. And, you figure that the Bucks' offense is going to put up some points, and they're, Miami's going to fall behind, and they're going to have to throw the ball more than they'd like. And I think that's a good situation for Parker and certainly for Jalen Waddell. Uh, Albert Wilson probably plays a lot, and if, if Parker can't play, then you're, you're really going to bump, bump up Waddell uh, and Gesicki uh, in terms of their expected targets, and maybe you know even um, Albert, Albert Wilson gets in on the action. Curtis Samuel, dealing with the groin injury, did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday, was working on the side. How, what's your thoughts on Samuel this week? Yeah, he played, made his return last week. He was kind of a part-time player. Uh, I read that in that that they were trying to ease him in after a long layoff, um, but maybe there was an injury there that he, you know, tweaked a little bit, and we have him uh, on the sideline again uh, for the first two weeks. I'm interested to see what he does today. If he's limited today, then I would think he's back in. You a week after you know a long stretch where you're out. Uh, you'd like to see him, you know, limited or on Thursday at least and, and on Friday limited as well or, or full. Uh, that tells me that things are progressing with the groin injury, but it seems like maybe uh, kind of status quo and he might be limited in the game if he even if he does play. What about the Giants wide receivers? Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, both dealing with hamstring injuries, did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. The Giants coming off a big upset win against the Saints, but they, they're going to take on a Dallas defense this weekend that is vastly improved. Yeah, they're better. Uh, they, they've struggled against receivers, though. I think, you know, Diggs is kind of a shutdown corner, so... You know, if he follows Kenny Galladay around, Kenny might have a tough day, but the volume has been there for Galladay. And then uh, Kadarius Tony, surprisingly, was being utilized last week in a very effective and intelligent manner, you know, getting them the ball uh, near the, the line of scrimmage, letting him create. He's very explosive, uh, 
uh, very agile, and uh, it was good to see after really uh, an offseason where it was just nothing but negative news about Tony. And if, if Sterling Shepard's out and Slayton's out, then you're going you're gonna to see a lot of Galladay uh, and a lot of Kadarius Tony, uh, and, and then Evan Ingram, I think, will also benefit from this. He hasn't been able to capitalize on his usage, but I think he saw six targets last week, so that's pretty good uh, you know, usage for a tight end of Engram's talent. We know he's talented. He just hasn't been able to put it together here, uh, you know, in the last few games. Let's talk about a couple of tight end injuries. Now, George Kittle did not practice Wednesday or Thursday dealing with that calf injury. He was a DNP last week as well on Wednesday and Thursday, wound up being limited on Friday and then ultimately faced the Seahawks. Can fantasy managers be confident that he's going to play? And if he's going to play despite a limited practice, you know, obviously you want George Kittle in your lineup. Are you confident that he'll produce? As much as, much as I can be confident in uh, a tight end producing in an offense where he's the, probably the featured guy, him and Debo Samuel uh, are probably the top two options right now on that offense. It's, hard, it's very hard to bench Kittle if he's active uh, just because he's you got that huge upside every week if he's feeling okay. I think you're. this looks like the same – system or same routine as last week and if he is limited on Friday I would expect him to play on Sunday although you know you should have a backup plan since it's a late game uh, have somebody in that late round of games or on Monday or Sunday night that you could plug in you know get some points out of that player if Kittle uh, is a surprise scratch and then finally TJ Hawkinson did not practice Wednesday he was limited yesterday he has a chance to play according to head coach Dan Campbell any big concern for fantasy fantasy managers when it comes to T.J. Hawkinson? Yeah, I think it's you know limited on Thursday is a pretty good sign that he's probably going to play on Sunday. I think maybe Dan Campbell's you know saying a chance to play is kind of understating his uh, chance to play, but we'll see what he does today and uh, how, how it looks over the over the weekend. The uh, Lions do play early on Sunday, so that helps. All right, before we get into some Thursday night football thoughts and some sneaky starts, wanted to let you know that this. Podcast is brought to you by Superdraft Fantasy, the official fantasy partner of Caesars Rewards. TMAP listeners can get an instant $20 deposit match with their first deposit by using the promo code, the number 4, F-O-R, number 4, so 4 for 4 at registration. Anyone who deposits gets a free 4 for 4 t-shirt and is entered to win, get this, $444 in cash every week for the next four weeks. Just go to 444.com backslash Superdraft for more details. You can get in now to play Super 15, a game that everybody has seen seen in memes and, and nobody could uh, play until now. You'll recognize it as soon as you see it, and for the first time, you'll be able to win money playing it. Use the promo code 444-F-O-R, uh, number 4, F-O-R, number 4, on the Superdraft app for your instant $20 deposit batch and uh, d- deposit match, excuse me, and try it out for yourself. Want to let you know, it's also easy and fun to play underdog, and if you haven't played it before, it's, it's, it's incredibly fun. It's another... Uh, thing to do on a Sunday and look forward to. It spices up your football season. It's Underdog Fantasy and their brand new Pick'em game. Just pick over over or under on your favorite or least favorite player stats and you can win up to 20, 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it simple, uh, super simple in fact, with their easy to use website and mobile apps. 
pick between two and five players, and you could take home some cold hard cash. Head over to 444.com backslash underdog and claim your free 444 Pro subscription and get $10 in bonus cash to play this weekend. I won some money last night on some some over-under props for Matthew Stafford uh, just by using John Paulson's Right, weekly rankings. I feel like you've nailed Matthew Stafford over the last couple of weeks, John. Some over unders on passing totals and things like that. Uh, Tom Brady last Sunday too. I had I had him going under his posted total. So once some money in underdog fantasy, it's a it's a lot of fun. And if you haven't tried it out, I hope you do. Let's talk about the Thursday night football game, John. Speaking of which, so the 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 situation. We'll start off with the Rams, but obviously we'll get into. The, big, the biggest news to come out of last night, which, of course, is the injured middle finger for Russell Wilson. He could not stay in that game and wound up being the Geno Smith show uh, for, for the large part of the second half. But, again, let's start off with the Rams. I'll, th- I'll throw throw some st- uh, some, t- uh, s- some statistics, easy for me to say, at you, John, and then you can, you can kind of break down what you saw. But Stafford had another big night, 25 of 37, did start slow through, through the interception in the end zone, but – 365 yards, 9.9 yards per pass attempt, touchdown, and the, the aforementioned pick. Darrell Henderson, 17 carries, 82 yards, and a touchdown. Sony Michelle, if you started him, well, only 11 carries for 37 yards, but he scored as well, also caught a pass for 8 yards. Henderson had one pass on one target for 17 yards. Robert Woods went off, 12 catches, 150 yards on 14 targets. Don't worry, Cooper Cup fans, uh, you got you got your action as well. He was targeted 10 times, caught seven passes for 92 yards. And Deshaun Jackson, who continues to be the deep threat in this offense, he caught one pass, but that one pass went for 68 yards. Uh, John, this offense for, for the Rams is absolutely humming with Matthew, Matthew Stafford. Yeah, a little bit of a slow start, as you mentioned, but you, you look at Stafford's numbers and the, the yards per attempt and the efficiency, and it was a good matchup against the Seahawks, and I was actually expecting him to throw a couple touchdowns. He probably could have. I, I did tweet out that uh, I thought he, he, he missed uh, Darrell Henderson or Daryl Henderson. And I actually looked it up. It's actually Daryl Henderson. I keep calling him Darrell. So sorry about that. I just uh, but Daryl Henderson on that. Yeah, that that uh, touchdown or that interception in the end zone, a really poor decision. He did have Henderson sort of going to the front pylon and could have thrown it low to him and, and perhaps completed it or gotten a penalty out of it. But uh, and this is the thing with Stafford, even though he threw for 60, 365 yards and a touchdown, uh, he doesn't offer anything as a runner, so you're looking at 16.6 fantasy points uh, for last night, which is kind of a, a so-so uh, outing for him from a fantasy standpoint. Uh, the numbers, I don't think, tell the story between H- Henderson and Michelle because Henderson was dominating touches uh, prior to like a stinger or something where we saw Henderson shaking out his left arm uh, shoulder injury or something. He came back to the game, which was good for him. Uh, and his, and uh, people that have him rostered and started him last night. Uh, but a lot of Michelle's uh, touches came in the second half with, with Henderson kind of dinged up. But I think that's, that's the thing with Henderson. He's not, he's not the most durable guy, and there's going to be some games like this where he's going to miss some stretches because he gets dinged up, or maybe he gets knocked out of the game, and Michelle comes in and, and does something in a surprise. But if you look at last week, it was all Henderson, and it was really all Henderson uh, in the first half of this game as well. And, you know, Robert Woods owners, a lot of 444 subscribers probably are Woods owners. I've been, I've been calling, I should call them managers, um, but uh, have drafted him over the years in that fourth, fifth round uh, quite often and uh, glad to see him uh, break out of his slump. Uh, 
Sean McVay did say last week that they needed to get him more involved. And uh, so there was some definitely some squeaky wheel narrative going on heading into this game, and they definitely got him involved. He was open all the time, basically, <laughs> and he and Stafford showed a really nice co- connection. He uh, co- caught 12 of his 14 targets, and so hopefully this is a sign of larger usage moving forward. Uh, the, the offense really gets humming when both Cup and Woods, and then you get some of these other uh, players involved as well, Higby, Jackson, Van Jefferson, Henderson out of the backfield. Uh, this Rams offense offense can really get going. All right, now let's talk about the Seahawks. Let's start off with the, the stats, and then we'll dive into the injury. But Russell Wilson, before he left the game, 152 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. He ran twice for 10 yards. That was it. That was his night, so not a, not a huge night out of Russell Wilson. Geno Smith had to take over. Completed 10 passes on 17 attempts, 131 yards, a touchdown. But he also threw the throw through essentially the game ceiling interception late. Rams added a field goal, and that was it. Alex Collins with Chris Carson out. He led the backfield for the for the Seahawks. 15 carries, 47 yards. Not a lot of running for Seattle. They didn't get a lot going. DK Metcalf, nice night though. Two touch, great night. Two touchdowns, five five receptions for him on five targets for 98 yards. Tyler Lockett, somewhat of a quiet night, but he did catch five passes for 57 yards, so he certainly helped fantasy managers as well. After that, you had a bunch of guys that are catching, you know, two passes. Uh, but, John, you know, take it away. What's your thoughts on, this, on the, how the game played out for Seattle? And then, of course, give us your, give us your, your thoughts on the Russell Wilson injury. Yeah, certainly the, the Wilson injury is a downgrade for the passing game, but Geno Smith did play well, so I think he can keep the, the offense afloat if Wilson has to miss any time. I guess they're going to do an MRI to see if he needs to have any surgery on the finger. Uh, I guess x-rays were negative, uh, was the last I heard, so uh, not broken, uh, but they have to figure it, figure it out and do some more tests to see if he's going to miss any time. He, I would say he's probably out next week, uh, and uh, fantasy managers should uh, make other plans Smith's not a bad uh, spot start if that's the case. Uh, he averaged 7.7 yards per attempt, a touchdown and a pick on a play where uh, Lockett looked like he got tripped. I saw some Lockett slander on my <laughs> timeline last <laughs> night. Uh, but, uh, you know, he had 10 targets, caught five for 57. He had a touchdown that was called back. Uh, he had another deep ball that, if the pass had been a little more accurate, might have been. Uh, you know, a 60, 70 yard touchdown. Uh, he almost made the catch, but drew the, the pass interference. So it's just his contributions are not showing up in the box score uh, like DK Metcalf's did last night, you know, with the 98 yards and two touchdowns on five targets. I mean, highly, highly efficient for Metcalf. Um, but looking forward, you get, you know, last night before the game, I, I, I tweeted out that I was expecting Alex Collins to get about 14 touches. Uh, I was thinking maybe a few more, but that sort of put him uh, higher in the rankings than I feel comfortable with. And as it turns out, he ended up with 17 touches, uh, but not a ton of yards, uh, you know, 47 yards uh, rushing and 25 yards receiving. So not like a great fan no, and no touchdowns, I think is the big thing. So not a great fantasy day for him, but okay like, as a spot start. Uh, and I think this is what you can sort of expect from him if, if Carson remains out. Let's get into some sneaky starts now. I like to wrap up the podcast on Fridays with some sneaky starts, some starts that, you know, whether you're filling out DFS or maybe you're dealing with some injuries, John lists a bunch of 
guys that's at, at the key positions that you can you look for on your waiver wire again in, in your DFS pool to save you know maybe some some salary savers and for John's complete list make sure you go to 444.com and check out the sneaky starts for week five let's let's hand out a couple of quarterbacks first and I noticed that two quarterbacks on your list are rookies this week which, which QBs do you like yeah I decided to go with the all rookie sneaky start <laughs> uh for the podcast, uh, Trevor Lawrence against the Titans, 22nd in adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, to quarterbacks. Uh, the Titans allowed pretty big games to Zach Wilson, uh, Russell Wilson, 343 and two touchdowns. Obviously, Kyler Murray, 289 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, Wilson had two, 297 and two. Uh, so Tennessee's secondary is struggling. Uh, Lawrence has been all right against. Uh, decent to bad defenses uh, he's you know he struggled in against good defenses but he had 17.8 against the Bengals and 19.1 against the Texans and I think that the Titans probably fall more into that category to where you can see him scoring 17 to 20 this week and then Wilson I, you know I'm heart, so happy to sorry <laughs> I'm sorry to 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 break it to you that the Falcons are what? you know aren't great on defense what do you mean? the 25th in, <laughs> 25th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks Again, he had the 292 and two against the the Titans last week, uh, and, and his numbers on the season are depressed a little bit because in week two he faced the Patriots, week three he faced the Broncos, uh, struggled against both defenses. But I think you know this is continue his bounce back here um, against the Falcons. Uh, they gave up 290 and three to Taylor Heineke, uh, 264 and three to Jalen Hurts, 276 and five to Tom Brady. Uh, so. Definitely the Falcons are a team that they can uh, exploit in the passing game. I think Wilson has a pretty good week this week. Let's hand out some running backs now. Damian Harris you have listed for the Patriots, and you also like Michael Carter of the Jets. Uh, I'm sure the same a lot of the same reasons you just went into, John. I, I'm still kind of getting over the fact uh, that you, know, you, you said the Falcons' defense isn't very good. I don't know which fourth-quarter meltdown led you to kind of have that thought, but uh, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> They're 25th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. I have, I mean, I have Harris ahead of Carter, but let's talk about Carter first since we're talking, you know, we've been talking about the Falcons <laughs> as a team to target uh, their defense anyway. Uh, he played a season high 51% of the snaps in week four. He handled a season high uh, overtime inflated 14 touches. So not like giant usage, but the usage continues to tick up with him. Uh, this is not a great running game. Uh, I'd like to see him getting more usage as a receiver to really get into that 15 to 17 touches per week. Uh, but he did uh, lead the the backfield in routes run, uh, which hasn't always been the case this season. So it's a, you know, an uptick for him in that usage, but they've in the passing game, especially the, the Falcons have struggled. They've allowed 6.8 catches for 51 yards and 0.25 touchdowns to opposing running backs this season on average. And as for Damien Harris, I wanted to list him. I, I think most of, of the, the managers that have him rostered are probably going to start him uh, this week, but some might be a little skittish because he had such a bad week last week. But I think against Houston in a game that the Patriots are likely to lead or at least be very competitive in the entire game, uh, Harris should you know approach 20 carries and you know probably find the end zone against the Texans. And they did uh, the, the good sign for him is that they did try to get him involved as a receiver, and you know he ran 18 routes. Uh, against the Bucks, and he caught two passes for 30 yards. So if he starts to do that, then and start to take over some of that James White role, then you know we could see some 
some good games from Harris moving forward. And then a couple of wide receivers. In fact, two of the two guys that play on the same team. How about Henry Ruggs and Hunter Renfro this week? Yeah, uh, Ruggs has certainly stepped forward in his second season. He's, you know, five for 113 and a touchdown on seven targets against the Steelers, four for 78 and on seven targets against the Dolphins, and three for 60 on six targets against the Chargers. And the thing that I noticed about that is that these are three pretty good secondaries and defenses that he has produced against. So a minimum of 60, a max of 113 against those three defenses. And he's got the 11th most air yards thus far on average. And he's in our uh, week five breakout receiver model as well. So he's, he's due to catch a touchdown probably and have a big game. Uh, I also like Renfro in this one. He's got at least five catches, especially PPR formats, five catches, 45 yards at a minimum in each game this year. So he's his floor right now is 9.5 in PPR. Uh, he went over 70 yards twice and found the end zone in week three as well. Uh, he's number 22 receiver in fantasy. I think that's kind of flying under the radar right now. We talked a lot about Sterling Shepard earlier, the Giants wide receivers that are banged up earlier. So let's talk about Kadarius Toney now that you, you have him as a sneaky start. They're, they're taking on the Cowboys, and as you mentioned earlier, Dallas, while improved defensively, they're still giving up plenty of yards and points, especially through the air. Yeah, I guess I said what I wanted to say earlier about Tony, and I, now I don't have much else to say, but he's 6 for 78 <laughs> against the Saints uh, in Week 4, and I just underlined the fact that they actually used him correctly uh, in the offense. and They weren't trying to you know, make him more of a downfield threat route runner. He was just getting the ball quickly and making some making some plays around the line of scrimmage. So if, they, if, if you have somebody like Shepard out, who's a typical 5-7 to seven catch guy, uh, then Tony's got some upside there as you know, as those catches have to go somewhere. All right, let's talk about some tight ends then. How about Robert Tunyon of the Packers with Marquez Valdez-Scantling out? Yeah, he had a real quiet couple of weeks, but if you look deep, dig deeper into the numbers, last week he had seven targets with Marquez Valdez-Scantling out. They tried to get him downfield. That's why he was number four in air yards at his position last week. Uh, they nearly connected on a touchdown. Uh, but Rodgers overthrew him a little bit. Uh, so with MVS out, I think there's more opportunity in this offense for somebody like Tunyon to stretch the field because they do want uh, some downfield work. And MVS is their speed guy, but Tunyon can do it as well if he's matched up against a linebacker. Uh, so I think against the Bengals, he might see five to seven targets again and maybe get in the end zone. He typically does better at home, or he has. Uh, but I think given the situation, he's still worthy of a you know, low TN, uh, tight end one type start. Uh, I have him ranked, I think, 12th. Um, and then a couple other guys that are more deep league starts would be Mo Ali Cox, who kind of took over as the starter last week with Jack Doyle banged up. Um, he had a back injury. Uh, I'm checking on his status right now. It doesn't look like he's on the uh, injury report. The Colts, I believe play Ravens Monday night. Monday night. Yes, they do. Yeah, Monday night. So we have to kind of wait and see if, if, if Jack Doyle is not on the injury report at all, then maybe this kind of goes back to what it was before. But Malala Cox is actually like a productive – I know it sounds silly, but he's he was number five in his position last year in yards per route run. Uh, so the talent's there. They just don't use him as much as they probably should. Uh, the Ravens gave up five for fifty-seven and a touchdown to Mike Kosicki last week. And if they're trying to, you know, move the ball, uh, I would have Mac out there, um, 
running routes. I mean, the guy produces, but he actually ran one fewer route than Kylan Granson last week with Jack Doyle sort of dinged up. So he's not getting that the consistent usage that we'd like. But, uh, you know, if, if Doyle's dinged up again, you might be able to run him out there. And then Ricky Seals-Jones, who I, I, I like to put him in just because he's got a cool name. I mean, he's one of the coolest names in the, in the league, <laughs> Ricky Seals-Jones. Uh, he has produced in stretches uh, throughout his career. He had he ran 35 routes last week with uh, Logan Thomas knocked out of that game. Logan Thomas has been placed on IR, so I think he's out for three weeks with a, a you know a, a hamstring injury that sounds like it's fairly serious, so he's going to miss some time. Uh, but Seals Jones made a splash as a rookie. He had nine had a stretch in three games of nine catches for 170 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, in 2019, he had a, a three-game stretch where he had a couple of really good games, three for 82 and a touchdown, three for 47 and a touchdown. And then uh, later that year, he had a three-catch, uh, 29-yard, two-touchdown game. And if you look at this, the way this uh, Washington team is built, he's one of the bigger and better red zone threats that they have. He already caught a touchdown this year. Um, you get in, you know, Terry McLaurin's great. He's a speed guy. can hit it out from, you know, 50 yards out. But get into the red zone, it's a little tougher to squeeze in these passes to some of these uh, moderately sized receivers. But I think so. Seals Jones could be a red zone target for Taylor uh, Heineke. And then, John, before I let you go, can you give us a couple of players from your Week 5 breakout receiver model that really jump out to you? Yeah, and I just want to mention that we did have some hits from last week's model. I mean, Parker, uh, Devontae Parker's in there, Jacoby Myers, Devonta Smith, Mike Kosicki, uh, Kenny Galladay, and even Khalif Raymond, who was down further down the table, but he ended up having a huge game. Darnell Mooney, Jared Cook, Hunter Henry, they all hit. Uh, we we have a list of misses as well, but some of these guys you know, scored near their expected fantasy points, uh, so they weren't like true misses, but um, it, it's, it's a good... Uh, model uh, to look at if you have some guys, well, okay, I, I need to pick between these two receivers and this guy just hasn't been performing. Um, is he is he in the breakout model? Because that this basically means that their usage is there and they've been underperforming and that they're bound to, to regress, you know, positively and have a good game. So, you know, this week popping out to, at me is uh, – uh, Cortland Sutton specifically, I think with Teddy Bridgewater back, he had that big week, uh, I think it was week two, and then has had a couple quiet weeks. But I think, uh, you know, the, the the Steelers are 22nd in just a fantasy points allowed to wide receivers, so not too scary of a, of a defense at this point. Um, and, you know, Jerry Judy's still out, so I think Sutton could pop. I think Marvin, Marvin Jones had a bad week last week, but the usage should definitely be there with DJ Chark uh, sideline for the year uh, against a good uh, in a good matchup against the Titans. And then Robbie Anderson, they really did try to squeaky wheel that one as well. He had 11 targets last week. They just didn't connect. Uh, so the usage is there. They're trying to get him going, and, and this might be the week where he actually uh, you know, catches another touchdown. All right, that'll do it for John Paulson and Anthony Stalter at at John underscore, no, at 444 underscore John, if you want to follow John Paulson on Twitter. Me, at Anthony Stalter. Don't forget to talk about, don't, don't forget to uh, check out our underdog fantasy 
partners. It's a lot of fun to play underdog fantasy. I was talking, to, you know, telling you guys before. Uh, it's it's really easy to use, and if you use John's rankings already, you can kind of apply it to a lot of the the underdog fantasy stats. Don't forget to TMA TMAP listeners get an instant twenty dollar deposit match on their first first deposit by using promo code four 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 at registration for Super Draft Fantasy. So take advantage of some of those offers, and of course, the one that we continue to tell you about our, our promo at the start of each podcast. You can get a free 4 for 4 subscription just for depositing $10 at Underdog or $20 to $35 at Prize, prize Picks. You'll also, if you're a new FFPC user, you'll also get a $35 coupon to play in one of their leagues. And you can check out all the details on that at 444.com backslash plans. Everybody have a great weekend. I hope you win uh, your, your fantasy leagues. Hope, hope the advice, as usual, from John Paulson, it's outstanding. Hopefully you apply it and, and uh, helps you win some money in some leagues this week. So for John Polson, I'm Anthony Stalter, and we'll see you next time on 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast.